Hare Mai. Welcome to the Maxim Institute podcast. My name is Jason Heal. I'm the communications manager at Maxim Institute, and this is our weekly short-form podcast. These podcasts are released in tandem with our weekly column and are a chance for you to hear in-depth from the column's author about some of the thinking that went into producing their final piece. Today, we talk to Maxim senior researcher Marcus Roberts about his recent column. Marcus, welcome back to the podcast. Great to have you here. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> We're talking about your latest column for Maxim, Hard Lessons from COVID. Um I feel like there was a lot of hard lessons we learned during COVID, but now it's kind of two and a half, three years later, uh, we're still learning some lessons. Uh, you point out in the column, we've got economic lessons, we've got uh, health lessons, as opposed mm. to also the health lessons that we apparently learned during the pandemic. Mm. Um, what are some other areas and what what ways are we learning these these hard lessons? Well, I think you're right that the lessons are there for us to learn if we want to. <laughs> But that's, not, a, that's a good distinction. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure that we are learning lessons. Mm, um, mm. So this column was inspired by the research that we've just released um, on the primary school educa- um, education sector yeah. and what happened during COVID and what lessons we can potentially learn. And one of the reasons we wanted to write this was because there are a lot of lessons out there, but I'm mm. not convinced that anyone really wants to learn them. Yeah. I think there's a real uh, view that actually COVID, as you say, two and a half years ago. Let's just put it behind us, maybe. I think so. Yeah. A bit of fatigue. Yeah. Um, understandably, amongst the public. Yeah. Don't want to talk about it. Uh, given given we kind of over-talked about it for, what, 12 months absolutely. and multiple lockdowns yeah. and yeah. looking at vaccination numbers and infection numbers and daily case numbers. It was traffic lights. Yeah, traffic lights. And then it was something else. And you had the step down system. And then there were the four levels, you know, and then, yeah. So it's all bringing back painful memories. (laughs) I'm having an episode right now. Yeah, exactly. So I can understand why the public doesn't want to revisit COVID and what happened. But I think it would be entirely remiss of the government Mm. or someone in the policy uh, space to not be looking at the effects of locking down large parts of the country for Mm. weeks, if not months on end, Mm. uh, including putting all our children into online learning. Yeah. So taking them out of the classroom and putting them into online learning of varying varying, um, benefits to the students, depending on their situation. Yeah. Okay. So we uh, at Maxim then thought, well, we're in the policy space. We'll take on some of this responsibility to do a review and we've done this um review of the primary school sector mm. um what are some of the effects that you're seeing then in education that, that are coming out of this paper yeah well i think the main point to take away from the paper is that the primary school sector uh doesn't get a lot of attention yeah didn't get a lot of attention in COVID. yeah from the ministry of education all yeah. the focus was on the years 11 to 13 yeah. because that's where your national exams are happening yeah. and where students gain university entry yeah so that meant resources were directed to those year levels first. Yeah. Uh, devices, internet connection, support. Yeah, I remember the government rollout of of devices and trying to connect regions to the internet and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So was, that was all. These guys are going to get into university or trying to get into university at the end of the year. So we're going to. Yeah, understandably, yeah. they had the immediate um, uh, des- demand yeah. for that. Um, yeah. But 
the trouble is there's been a, a learning loss at the lower levels, not just at these higher levels, yeah. but the primary sector. Yeah. Um, and the trouble is, is that if we don't make good that learning loss, mm. then we've got this tale of students who for the next few years are going to be moving up through the school system and then yeah. trying to go to university and into jobs who have been affected by the lockdowns, mm. um, who we should not ignore. Mm. Mm. And the trouble is, is that we'll forget about COVID, but the effects on the education system, at least, will be felt for many years yeah. if we don't try and start remedying yeah. it now. Just thinking someone who's who was seven when we locked down in 10 years' time will be going for their university entrance, That's but right. will have six months of learning loss that maybe is compounded over the last 10 years. Sure. And yeah. they could be a year, two years behind in their learning. Well, that's right. If you don't catch up, then every year you're behind, you're less likely to catch up. It's As you say, it's going to compound, um, if not make the students feel uh, um, that they, are, you know, um, to start to feel that you know, they're always behind and to maybe give up a little bit yeah. of education. So that's why to try and put the resources in now to, to um, catch up this cohort of students. Yeah. So how what would that look like with resourcing to catch up? Well, I think the obvious one would be uh, uh, resourcing for extra uh, tutoring, um, teaching it, teacher aid. Um, but I think the main thing is just to recognise there's a problem mm. and yeah. then figuring out yeah. how we best solve that problem. Yeah. Um, but also the, the paper looks at, OK, hopefully we won't have to do this again. Yeah. Uh, we've never done it before in our history, lockdown and close the schools to everyone. Um, now that we have done it, it's part of our policy toolbox, obviously, we would be extremely uh, remiss of the Ministry of Education and schools not to figure out, OK, how did it work? Mm. What can we do better next time? And a couple of things they could do better is figure out and keep an up-to-date database of who has devices in their schools. Then the schools feed into the Ministry of Education, so the Ministry of Education knows which schools need devices and other support, what software each school is using in what way, um, but also um, to try and make good this divide that was exacerbated in COVID, this digital desire, divide between the haves and the have-nots, mm. between those with well-resourced schools, well-skilled teachers, an excellent home life for learning yeah. uh, and multiple devices, mm. and those who did not have those things. Yeah. And quite frankly, if you didn't have those things, you weren't going to do a lot of learning. Yeah, no. Well. That's all in the paper. That's out now on our website. And so if you're if people are interested, they can find it there. But Marcus, thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Jason. Now let's hear from Marcus as he reads his column. Lawson's aphorism, to govern is to choose, reminds us that there is no such thing as a free lunch. When a government chooses a particular course of action, it necessarily has less money, time and resources to spend on other things. More starkly, choosing a particular course of action actively detracts from other worthy goals. In the aftermath of our government's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, we should refamiliarize ourselves with Lawson and the costs of governmental decision-making. First, the economic cost. As a proportion of GDP, core crown borrowing has grown from 32 to 50 percent between 2019 and today. We are now spending as much on debt servicing as we do on the police, corrections, justice and customs combined. Secondly, the health cost. As the Minister of Health noted recently, the current increased wait times at emergency departments emerged during the pandemic. Quote, 
I think it's pretty clear since the pandemic, there has been an increasing pressure on our emergency departments overall. There is an increase in acute demand following on from the pandemic, and that is putting pressure on our hospitals. But perhaps the most significant cost is to our children. We all remember the extensive post-COVID truancy as school-aged children stayed away from school in large numbers, even after in-person learning resumed. Overseas evidence gives us a hint of what Kiwi children went through. A survey of English parents conducted by the Institute for Fiscal Studies and the UCL Institute of Education recently reported that just under half of parents said that their child's social and emotional skills had worsened during the first year of the pandemic. Scholastically, the number of school leavers with NCEA Level 2 or above has plummeted since the COVID lockdowns. Māori students are particularly hard hit. University completion rates have also fallen thanks to learning loss during the pandemic. The untold story, though, is in the primary school sector. That has received less attention from both the government and the national consciousness, according to Maxim Institute's new discussion paper released this week, Hard Lessons, How Schools Can Profit from the Pandemic. In fact, this part of the school system is the foundation for all later learning. If students are struggling here, it will be much harder to catch up later. In essence, it's what the future looks like. Our paper demonstrates that primary schools weren't ready for a sudden and significant shift to online learning. As a result, the primary school sector's response, albeit well-intentioned and often commendable, was unprepared. The digital divide between well-resourced schools and learners and their poorer counterparts was exacerbated. Teachers had to devote more time to trying to improve their students' well-being. On the positive side, there was much more engagement between schools and students' families and between families and what students are learning. Overall, the paper's message is that our primary school sector needs to be better resourced, prepared and skilled in order to undertake fully remote learning in the future. Will our government take this choice? After all, to govern is to choose. Thanks for listening to the Maxim Institute podcast. If you'd like to hear more from us and keep up with the rest of our research and analysis of politics and policy in New Zealand, you can sign up on the homepage of our website to get our monthly forum email and invitations to future Maxim Institute events. You can search and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. From the team at Maxim, Mate Wa, goodbye for now. <laughs>